All right? If you will, it's 11.30. And I hope to have you out here by 12.30. Is that good? Notice I used the word hope. I didn't use the word faith. Because I don't have faith for that, but I do hope to do it. What I want you to do is I want you to stand with me, everyone. Instead of turning with me today in the scriptures, I'm going to have you just read it um, off of the screen with me. Just If you want to today, which, which is unusual, just leave your Bible where it is. Um, I have taken these scriptures today, and I'm going to flip-flop back and forth. Some of them is going to be King James Version. Some is going to be the New King James Version. But they're all going to be either New King James or King James. But um, I'm going to read them, and I, I don't want to read them and you read another version out there because I really want you to focus on what I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to come back and cover every one of these in just a few minutes. But uh, today I'm dealing with a subject, really, I'm, if you want to boil it down, I'm really going to be dealing with the subject of pride. That's what I'm dealing with. And I'm dealing with Leviathan, the king who rules over the children of pride. Leviathan is a sea monster. And you'll see a picture of him there on the screen. That's just a depiction. It was an 1865 depiction. It's an engraving by Gustav Doré. And it's uh, called The Destruction of Leviathan. You see the Lord there with a strong sword. And it said the only way to deal with the Leviathan, he's huge, he's twisted, he's crooked. And he, Leviathan, is the king of the children of pride. And the only thing the Bible says that will deal with that spirit of pride is the strong sword of the Lord. Now before I read these passages and before I get started, let me just take just a moment and say this. Lucifer, when God created him, he was one of the archangels. And you know well that Gabriel is God's announcing archangel. And he does other things, of course, for the Lord God. And Michael is also known as an archangel, and among the other things that he does is he's a, a protecting archangel of Israel. And then Lucifer was called the son of the morning. He was beautiful. When God made Lucifer, he made all of his archangels different. All the archangels have different qualities, and they have different uh, abilities that God created them with for specific, uh, specific purposes. But the thing about it is, with Lucifer, he was beautiful. And I don't know how long it was that Lucifer functioned in that role. Um, but his name is Lucifer. He's called Son of the Morning. He had tabrets and pipes. In some way was connected probably to worship and praise in heaven, more than likely. Can't be proven, but that's probably the way that it was. And um, he was the Son of the Morning. He was brilliant. He was bright. He was bright in every way. And um, he had probably the origin and the ability to come up with new worship and to direct it in heaven. And but the Bible says one day that something happened to him, and he was a created being, and heaven was harmonious. Everything was fine in heaven. But one day, something happened, and Lucifer was found to have pride. Now, I've got a question for you, and let me just ask this question of you, and I'm asking it of myself. If pride could make a devil, 
out of an archangel, what can it do to you? It's an insidious thing. And you know, pride is a lot like halcytosis. Pride is a lot like bad breath. You don't know you've got it. You're usually the last to know that you've got it. Um, so people don't want to tell you. People don't want to tell you that you have characteristics of pride. It's, it's a turnoff, really. It is. When a person has pride, you might be standing there today saying, well, he's not preaching to me today. I'm probably, you're the very one I'm probably preaching to. <laughs> probably so. You're, you're probably the very one. Now listen, don't minimize what I just told you. Some of you today are going to want to sort of shovel this off and think, boy, if my wife was here, this would really get her today. Or if my husband was here, he really needed this today. I don't need this. Uh, the church may need it, but I don't need this. Friend, everybody in this house needs what I'm going to be talking about. And I want you all to listen to me. I want you to really listen to me and take to heart what I'm going to be saying. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and read the passages. There's, uh, I'm going to jump around. I'm going to uh, probably read about uh, 15 scriptures at the most, but they're not going to be in sequential order. Only the scriptures that I'm going to deal with. They're found in Job chapter 41. They're all contained in this chapter 41. And here's what it says. Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or snare his tongue with a line which you lower? Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make supplications to you and will he speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him as a servant? Lay your hand on him, but remember the battle and never do it again. His rows of scales are his pride and they're shut up tightly as with a seal. They're so near to one another that no air can come between them. They're joined one to another. They stick together and cannot be parted. His sneezings flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning light, sparks of fire shoot out, smoke goes out of his nostrils as from a boiling pot and burning bushes, burning rushes. Strength dwells in his neck, and sorrow dances before him. His heart is as hard as a stone, even as hard as the lower millstone. He makes the deep bowl like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. He beholds every high thing. He is king over all the children of pride. And then Isaiah 27 and 1 says this, In that day the Lord with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan, that fleeing serpent, Leviathan, that twisted serpent, and he will slay the reptile that is in the sea. Now look at that one more time. New King James Version. In that day the Lord with his severe sword and great and strong it's going to take the Lord, and it's going to take his sword, which is three adjectives, great, sore, uh, severe, and strong. And it said that he will punish the Leviathan, the fleeing spirit. Hard, he's slippery, he's hard to get a hold of. Leviathan, that twisted serpent, and he'll slay him that's in the sea. You may be seated. Thank you. Today... I want to take this opportunity to speak to everyone about our lives and about our futures. I want to talk to you about the times that we're living in. The thing that I'm going to be dealing with today is pride. And my pastor always raised me to say, 
Son, when you point your finger at somebody, he said, you've got to remember, you've always got more coming back at you than you have going at them. So I'm not preaching this today as an expert telling you that I've conquered it in my life. I'm not coming here today and preaching at you, and I don't want you to think I'm escaping, because whenever I preach at you, I'm preaching to myself. You might be surprised, but whenever I get through preaching a sermon, I'm either refreshed by it or challenged by it, just like you are. That's the honest truth. It's like a nursing mother. Whatever that mother eats is what the child gets. And whatever a pastor eats and whatever God gives him and whatever he digests, it goes into his system like a nursing mother. And I'm able to nurse you on Sundays out of the same food that I get. So God's talking to me too, just like he's talking to all of us. But here the Bible describes Leviathan. It says that he's fleeing and he's twisted and it's a dragon or a monster of the sea. The Apostle John saw a dragon in the book of the Revelation indicating that it was a very strong spirit. There's nothing that can stop this spirit. There's nothing that can deal with this spirit except Almighty God. Satan in Genesis twisted God's truth into a lie. And confusion and twistedness are two of the characteristics of this spirit. And I believe that Leviathan is the spirit that fights the spirit of revival. I do believe that. When revival breaks out, twistedness breaks forth. When revival breaks out, confusion and twistedness breaks out. That twistedness and that confusion breaks up churches, in many cases, that's trying to have a move of God in their life, have a revival. It breaks up families. It breaks up relationships. It's because the devil comes in. And if there's ever any threat to Satan and this spirit of Leviathan, it is revival. Church won't do it. Church services, a few worship songs, a little sermon, and people getting together, that's not going to do it. Revival is something that is completely different than church as usual. Revival is a very powerful uh, weapon that God gives and Satan hates it with a passion. And the devil will take good things and make them appear to be evil. He will take strong things and make them appear to be weak. He'll take weak things and make them appear to be strong. And I've seen him do it. So the spirit of Leviathan basically only recognizes strong word people. So in this passage of scripture, and I'm going to go back through what I've already covered last week. I'm just going to touch on it just quickly because I want to cover all 14 this morning in a brief period of time. But this passage of scripture that I just read to you, there's 14 questions that the Lord asked Job about Leviathan. And these questions actually divulge information about Leviathan. These questions that God asked actually are telling. When you read this about Leviathan and God's asking Job, will he do this? Will he do that? Will he be a servant? Uh, did you know that this is this? And did you know that that's that? That's how we learn about this spirit. Otherwise, we could read about Leviathan and the Bible would say, what? What's that? I, I don't know what you're talking about. But because God deals with this in a question form, He's not telling, he's not telling everything about this spirit. In the question form, he's only releasing what he wants us to know 
and he's only telling us, you be really careful with this spirit. It is a spirit, and it's a strong spirit. Pride, ooh, it is a strong spirit. So the first thing that the Lord said was, and I'm going I'm to cover the first six real quickly, and then I'm going to start on number seven, and I'll take more time with it. The Lord said, can you draw him out with a hook? And uh, it says, or snare his tongue with a line like catching a fish. Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? These are questions that God asked Job about Leviathan, and it has to do with man's inability to catch him. You can't dominate this spirit without supernatural help. You can't do it. You have to have supernatural help. And Leviathan cannot be controlled by a rope. He can't be controlled by a cord. He can't be hooked with a hook. You can't master or dominate him by force. If there's a thousand of you, or if there's a million of you, you can't dominate him by force. The only way to deal with the Leviathan is to humble yourself and to depend on God. Humility is a very powerful, powerful weapon in God's hands. Humility is an awesome weapon. We must realize that we have limitations, and we must realize that we've totally got to depend on God. Arrogant people don't depend on God. Arrogant people are self-sufficient. They don't depend on God. They rely on their own strength to obtain their own desires. Number two, it says we make supplications. That word supplications is a word directly related to prayer and communion. Will he speak softly to you? Supplication means petitioning God or praying to God. The Lord is saying that this person that's under the influence of Leviathan will, will have a struggle with prayer. They will have a struggle even seeing the significance of Holy Communion. Pride is an obstacle, a great obstacle to prayer. Most proud people have a real hard time humbling themselves and forcing their flesh to go in the prayer closet and talk to God about things and ask for help. A proud person feels extremely self-sufficient. A proud person feels like they can control anything, anywhere, anytime. I'm in charge and prayer, that's for the weak people, but I don't need to pray. I'm different. You don't really realize it, but you're probably already under the influence of Leviathan and don't even realize it. People find it hard to pray, think that prayer is foolishness. And they're under the control of that spirit. It's a strong spirit. Psalms 10 and 4 says this. It says, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. Look at that on the screen. The wicked through the pride of his countenance. You can see pride on people. You can see it. When a person has pride, it's evident. They have an aloofness about them. They have a stiffness about them. There's not a suppleness of their personality. There's not a tenderness. There's not a humility. There's not a dependency on God. There's an independent spirit that has to do with independent people and people of pride. But look at what he says. It says they're, they're the pride of their countenance. They won't seek God. And it said that God's not in all their thoughts. Let me ask you a question. Everybody look this way. Is God in all your thoughts? I'm just asking you. Is God in all your thoughts? Do you consider him in everything that you do? Do you consider him in every decision that you make? I think I can speak on the behalf of all of us. There's not anything that I do that I don't consider God. Not one thing. Not a place I go. Not anything that I do. 
purchases, accumulations, um, whatever it may be, God's in my thoughts from the time I wake up in the morning and he's in my thoughts from the time I go to bed at night. And I don't say that arrogantly separating myself from you because I feel like I'm speaking on the behalf of most everybody here. How many of you would say he's in my thoughts all the time? Amen. Okay, number three. The Bible says we make a covenant with you. A spirit of pride, the spirit of Leviathan, has a hard time with marriage. Spirit of pride is not going to enter into covenant. A spirit of pride and that spirit of Leviathan is a spirit that will really find it difficult to humble itself and to yield to a wife or to yield to a husband. As a matter of fact, when I came up, you know, uh, one of the things that was always in the wedding vows was, will you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband to have and to hold from this day forward? Will you obey him? You know, will you submit to him? And, of course, that's in the Bible about submission. But now in this time, especially in America, we've managed to weasel that right out of the wedding vows, and we don't want that anymore. Because I think women are so afraid today. They've seen some of their friends so abused in marriages. They don't want a man trying to control them and tell them what to do. So, you know, I see that, but I also see that the Bible talks about submission. But a person of pride, a male or a female, has a real struggle with marriage because a man doesn't want his wife telling him anything. And a woman many times doesn't want her husband telling her anything. You can't do this. You can't use the credit card. You can't go there. Uh, you, we don't have the money. Or I don't want you, I want you to be careful being friends with her. And, and she'll pull the shoulder away. Well, you're not going to tell me who I can be friends with. You know, and a lot of times in the most mundane things of a relationship, that will come out as if to say, you're, you're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to tell me what to do. I don't want to hear it. And the same thing has happened in churches. Uh, people today in churches don't want to become part of a church in many cases because they don't want a pastor. They'll look for a, a, a loose church where everything is loose and non-offensive. And if a pastor ever gets up and really tells people something that he really feels like God's put on his heart that they need to know, many will huff up out of the church and run out the back door and say, he's not going to tell me what to do. Who does he think he is? And so people today are looking for pastors and they're looking for churches that's real tepid and they're real middle of the road where they get their goosebumps and they get all this kind of stuff and the worship is great and everything, but who does that man think he is to delve into my life and to tell me so forth and so on? Who, who is the man to tell me that I need to tithe? I don't, I'll tithe if I want to, and if I don't want to, he's not going to put me under condemnation and make me tithe. You see, you don't really realize it a lot of times, but that's the word of the Lord that a man's preaching. And when you buck up against it, you have to be careful how you buck up against it. You're not really bucking up against the man. You really can be bucking up against the Holy Spirit. Y'all listening to me? Will he covenant with you? And that's why many people that has a spirit of pride, they'd rather live, have live-in relationships and not marriage. That's why so many today are choosing not to marry. They're choosing to live together. They don't want a covenant. That's why people today don't want to sign a membership card and become a member of a church. They want to avoid all covenants. They want to avoid all limitations on them 
In other words, I'm who I am, and that's who I'm going to be, whether you like it or not. And that doesn't make for a good marriage. Number four, will you take him as a servant forever? In other words, Leviathan will not submit to serve. And last week I went through the different scriptures in Philippians, Timothy, Peter, Jude, and Revelation. For example, Paul said, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. The Bible said that Jesus made himself an old reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, serpent and was made in the likeness of men. You know, it's amazing. Every one of those gospels that you read and every one of those epistles that you read, they call themselves a servant. The spirit of Leviathan does not want to serve people. The spirit of Leviathan wants to be served. Wants to be served. The, the spirit of Leviathan... A father doesn't want to sacrifice for his children. A spirit of Leviathan and a mother doesn't want to give up her last morsel of food on the plate to her child. She doesn't want to sacrifice getting a new dress or whatever so that her child can have something new to wear. Sacrifice is not in their way of thinking. One of the reasons why today in America that there's so many in this generation they don't, even, they don't even think about sacrifice, even in the ministry. Those, many that's entering into the ministry today, they don't think of being a, a servant to a congregation or serving a congregation or serving the Lord. They think of, I'm the pastor and the people's supposed to bring unto me and do unto me. Friends, something's got twisted somewhere. You know, Jesus took on himself a towel and a bowl of water and got down and washed the disciples' feet. And let me remind you that every person that's going to be the greatest in the kingdom must learn to become the least in the kingdom. Can you shout amen? And one of the things that we're seeing today that's tearing ministries apart and scattering people that doesn't want to be a part of any church anymore is they have seen men that they've had confidence in and could preach the stars down and had gifts in their life. But yet, they were not servants. They wanted to be served. They were building a kingdom. And they looked at people in the pews as, as, um, as people that's supposed to serve them rather than them serving the people. And after a while, it was revealed. It was, it was exposed. And it hurt congregations. And now today, in many big churches that used to be super churches, you could fire a shotgun on Sunday morning in those churches and not hit the first person because it's mostly empty now. Just a handful of people left in those churches. Why? Because we did it all wrong. I said we did it all wrong. Come on, help me, church. And then the next thing is, it says, lay your hand on this serpent. But it says, remember the battle. In other words, if you do it once, you'll never do it again. The spirit of pride is something that if you touch it, you'll remember it. Because the spirit of pride and arrogance causes people to have an endless spirit about them of wanting to get even with you. They want to make you pay. They will make you pay. And they will bicker. They will write letters. They will threaten you through lawyers. They will sue you. It's inside them. It's a lifestyle. They delight in knowing that the person who dared to oppose them I'll shred them into pieces. They'll never do that to me again. That's the spirit of Leviathan. That's the spirit of Leviathan. Number six. This is where I want to start. His rows of scales are his pride. Look at that. 
His rows of scales are his pride, shut up tightly and sealed, as with a seal. What does that mean? This spirit of Leviathan is so strong, so insidious, that it lies quiescent underneath the surface. It doesn't like to manifest, only rouses up when it needs to, but it has other spirits that does its evil work for it. You follow me? In other words, this Leviathan spirit is so twisted and so strong and so powerful that it doesn't like to show its hand much, but it has other scales, closely knit scales, like fish scales, other spirits so tight around it that it depends on lesser spirits to do its job than for Leviathan to have to raise up and do it himself. Let me show you what I'm talking about. A person that's bound by a spirit of Leviathan has protecting spirits around them, so many that the real strong spirit is almost impossible to get at. This spirit of Leviathan has shielded himself, and he's put up camouflage. And some of the spirits that Leviathan uses is rejection. One of the spirits that Leviathan uses is the spirit of rejection. When, uh, not in every case, not in every case, of course not in every case, but in many cases a person that has real pride and they're bound by this strong spirit of pride has such a rejection on them they can't take the least thing. It's the least thing that upsets them. They feel rejected. A look. Uh, something that you um, eliminated from them. Uh, you didn't shake their hand or, or you didn't say exactly the right thing in the right way or you didn't invite them or you didn't include them and they will make you pay. In other words, they'll, they'll get hurt and wounded by it and then they'll avoid you and they'll, they don't mind you seeing that they're upset, but it's like I'm going to make you pay for doing me like that. And that's really pride. It's really pride. You've got to be willing. Listen, you've got to be willing to become like Jesus. Jesus could take treatment from any person and still maintain his victory. When you have a spirit of pride and Leviathan underneath and is protected by rejection, your life will be one of misery because you're constantly going to be offended and feeling rejected at all times by all people just about everywhere you go. You walk into a room and it's almost like you become a target and everything about you, you get offended at because everything about you screams, I dare you to hurt my feelings. Another thing that protects the spirit of Leviathan is the spirit of lust. A person that's prideful is always most generally lustful. A person that's prideful, a person that has pride, Leviathan, working in their life, twistedness, confusion, most generally has perverted ways.
if not perverted ways, has a strong spirit of lust on them where they will look at another woman to the point that they make that woman uncomfortable. They will look at another man and lust. They will look at pornography. They will tune it in. They will get it on their television. They'll pull it up on the computer. They'll sneak around, do whatever it takes, because it's not just a spirit of lust that they're bound with, but it's a spirit of pride, as if to say, I can do this. Other Christians can't do this, but I can do this and get by. God understands. You see, every person that gets caught having an affair, every person that gets caught that loses their ministry, or every person that gets caught and their wife leaves them, or their husband leaves them, or whatever, they all felt like, when they were doing it, that I'm different, and God understands, and he winks at this because he knows I'm deprived, or he knows I'm unhappy. And it's a scale so tight around that spirit of Leviathan that Leviathan surrounds himself with lust because he feeds off of that. Leviathan, that pride needs that lust because it needs that sexual climactic release. Some men, a climax for some men, sexual climax for some men, is more important than their family. They will put their family on the line for a climactic experience, illicit climactic experience. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of cereal. Some men have sold their families out for less than a bowl of cereal. Some men have sold their family out for a climactic experience, sexual experience with a whore that's full of disease. When at home they have a perfectly wonderful, beautiful, virtuous wife and healthy children. Hey, could I... Can I just get plain with you? I mean, let, let's, we're living in a real world. We're living in a real world. Let's just be honest. That's what, that's, what, that's what has happened in the church. Is a climactic experience for some men and some women is more important to them because that spirit of Leviathan craves it. In other words, I want this no matter who it hurts. Also, another spirit that's like a scale that protects Leviathan is insecurity. I won't take time to go through all these because it's going to take me too much time. Another spirit that protects Leviathan is shame. Shame. Another spirit that protects Leviathan is fear. Another one is religion. Leviathan uses these like a master disguiser, a masquerader. That spirit lies quiescent. It's strong, it's crooked, it's powerful, it has a stronghold, but it uses those other spirits like scales to protect what's underneath, and what's underneath is Leviathan pride. And it uses shame, insecurity, fear, rejection, lust, all of these, and it represents a tightness and a closeness, making it difficult to reach Leviathan. And they're tight, tight. Friend, look at me, everybody. 
The next passage of Scripture, I, I want to go ahead and just give you this real quickly. Are there areas in your life, listen to me, are there areas in your life that is absolutely almost unreachable? Are there areas in your life, sir, ma'am, hear me, young person, listen to me. Are there areas in your life that the scales are so close protecting Leviathan that's underneath? Are there areas in your life that's, while I'm talking about this now and bringing it to the fore, you're thinking about it, think about it. Every time the Lord tries to put his finger on that area in your life, you buck up and back away. You buck up. And you wiggle free. You get free. You won't hear it. You won't come under a preacher. You won't come under a parent. You won't come under a grandparent. You won't come under anybody. It's like, don't you touch that. Don't you, don't you question me. Don't you ask me that. Are there areas in your life where you always wiggle away real quick and you won't let that thing to be dealt with. And you'll make fun of deliverance ministries. You'll make fun of them. You'll criticize them. You'll almost degrade them as if to say that if anybody has a ministry of deliverance, they're not trustworthy and, and they're spooky. Well, you're going to have to say Jesus is spooky. Because Jesus didn't deal with the symptoms. He went right to the strong man. And he went right... To the spirit that was seething and lurking beneath the waterline. And the thing that I love so much about the Holy Spirit is, trust me, friend, it may take a man a hundred years to, dis, dis, to discern what's going on in your life, or a woman to, it may take them 150 years, but the Holy Spirit, boom, he can go right to it just like that. He can go just right to it just like that. And reveal it and dislodge it and break that stronghold over your life. Now, I want to tell you something that I've seen. I've been blessed to pastor two revivals. One of the things that I've seen, and I have to say it's a little bit shocking, even during the Brownsville revival, five years of revival, five years almost every night, almost every night, me and Steve was there night after night, chopping away. Millions of people came from all over the world. Many people that I knew in the area and some out of my own church was in that revival off and on for five years. And I can tell you as their pastor standing here today, unless it's happened recently, some of them got touched by God. Some of them got blessed. There were tears of joy. But they never let the Holy Spirit touch that spirit lying beneath the surface. And every time the Holy Ghost got really real and started probing and digging, they pull the shoulder away. And they'd leave the church, they'd leave the revival, they'd criticize me, they'd criticize Steve. And then, you know, a year or two later, they'd come easing back in the back door, but they never would let the Holy Spirit touch that area because it's protected by those scales or other spirits. And when you try to touch the big boy, the other spirits kick up enough that they say, no, we're not going to let you get to him. Are you listening to me? Now, I love number seven. I could spend 30 minutes right here. 
Number seven says this. These scales are so near to one another that no air can come between them. I looked up that word air, and it's ruach, which is the Spirit of God. It's not pneuma, P-N-U-E-M-A. It's not pneuma, it's ruach. And that means spirit. Now let's go back and look at that one more time. It's, these spirits are so near, these scales are so close to one another that they won't let the Holy Spirit penetrate them. Look this way, everybody. You know where pride operates probably more so than any other place? In the house of God. Amen. Operates in the house of God. Probably more so than the workplace. Probably more so than many other places. It operates in the house of God. For example, it says, one more time, on the screen, it says, these scales, these spirits are so close, these scales are so close, like fish scales, that these spirits won't let the spirit in to probe and to dwell and to dig and to root out and to pull down. They won't let that ruach come in. Now, what does that mean? You know there's people in churches that are weak. They love God, but they're weak and they have no power. But if you stand up and try to preach to them that they need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they'll buck up against you and say, we're not going to have none of that speaking in tongues business in this church. The very thing they need, they won't let the air get in there. They won't let the Spirit of God get in there. What is that? That's pride. Because, listen, the Holy Spirit is all throughout your Bible, and speaking in tongues is all throughout the New Testament. Somebody says, Brother Kilpatrick, do you speak in tongues? Yes, I do, because I'm filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. But I don't try to make other people feel inferior because I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I look at other people in other parts of the body of Christ as my brothers and sisters. It don't mean they're inferior and I'm superior. But it means, thank God, that I do recognize that the Holy Spirit is there to root out and to pull down and to deal with things that ordinarily wouldn't be dealt with. I want to let the air of the Holy Spirit come into my life. Let Him expose. Let Him reveal. Let Him show me things. But there's people in churches, there's people in churches, honestly, they'll say, we don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We don't need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've got all we need. Is that right? Is that right? You've got everything you need. Is that right? Well, I don't have everything I need. I'm still seeking God for more. I want all God's God for me, friend. I don't want nothing spooky. I don't want nothing undoctrinal. I don't want nothing unscriptural. But I want everything God's got for me. It takes a big person to humble themselves and say, Lord, if the baptism of the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues is for me, I yield and I humble myself now to receive it. That's the only way you'll ever get it. Because the Holy Spirit will not override you. The Holy Spirit's not going hit, to hit, hit, hit your reset button and fill you with the Holy Spirit and blank out everything you've ever been taught. Friend, there's some things I've been taught I've had to unteach myself and reteach myself through the Holy Spirit. God will give you revelation knowledge to let you know if you're in error, God will replace it with the truth. But there's some people, even though they're in error, they would never admit it. They would never admit it. 
They would never humble themselves and say, I've got some error in me as a child of God. I, I was taught that, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is, is evil and, and it's of the, the devil and speaking in tongues is of the devil. And now I do believe that it's in the scriptures and I want to humble myself and I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It takes a big person to do that. It takes a big person to humble themselves and say, I need the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in my life. Friend, listen, if I didn't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in my life, I would be one more miserable puppy. Can you say amen? You don't need, there's people that say, I don't need hands laid on me. Revival? Well, I don't need to go over there to that revival. Well, you know what, friend? I don't think that you need to come to our revival or to Brownsville revival. Revival, by the way, of the Holy Spirit. I'm not the one saying you need to come here. But all I'm saying is, if I feel like God's moving somewhere, I'm going to humble myself and go and see what God's got for me. I'm going to humble myself and go and just see what God's got for me. Maybe I'll go there and receive some kind of a fresh touch that I haven't received in other places and other times in my life. But for a person to say, I don't need hands laid on me, like the other night, I was, I won't tell you where I was, but the other night I went to a place and I hadn't been praying for people but about five minutes and I walked up to this man and he said, don't you lay your hand on me. I said, well, what are you doing up here? He was standing there and uh, he said, don't you lay your hand on me. I said, well, what are you doing up here? And I went toward his wife. I didn't know she was his wife. He said, don't you lay your hands on her either. I said, by all means. But I'm just asking you why you're doing up here. You're close. Let's go ahead and finish this thing. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to say, you know. One night I was praying in Brownsville, and uh, Tony was with me, and uh, Tony, I'm sure you remember this, and I was walking back there, and uh, I walked by, and this, this guy balled his fist up and was fixing to hit me, and Tony caught his arm. <laughs> Thank God, old Tony. <laughs> Tony caught his arm, and he was going to pop me one right there in church. He better be glad he didn't. Because I would probably have really got anointed. <laughs> they said one time, oh, uh, Finney was preaching, and he was in a, like a Brush Harbor deal, and this man just kept on, kept on threatening Finney and cussing him, and there were children there, and Finney said, Sir, be quiet. And he wouldn't pay a bit of attention to Finney. And finally, Finney took his coat off, rolled his sleeves up, went down and said, pop, pop! <laughs> Knocked him in the floor and said to the men, put him in the chair, and if he get, does it again, I'll come back and give him some more. <laughs> so when he went back, he had twice the anointing he did before that happened. 
There's people that says, I've got everything I need. I don't need the Holy Spirit. We don't need the Holy Spirit. We don't need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's no need for me to change. I'm a good person. You know what that is? Leviathan. Pride seals minds. Let me say that again. Pride is like those scales. It seals minds. It blocks out what you really need. And it makes excuses and says, you don't need that. You don't need that. You better stay away from Kilpatrick. You better stay away from that church. You better stay away from revival. You better avoid revival. That stuff's dangerous. It's heresy. You need to stay away from it. And that's those spirits, those seals, those scales trying to protect Leviathan because Leviathan says, I don't want to let go. But let me tell you something about everything God has. You have to, to get what God's got for you, you have to humble yourself in every case. You really do. Okay, let me, let me go on. Number eight. It says, these are joined one to another. They stick together and cannot be parted. You'd be surprised to know how spirits communicate. You'd really be surprised to know. Now, y'all listen to me for a minute. You'd really be surprised to know how spirits really communicate that you don't know about how they communicate to keep you isolated and to keep you bound. For example, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Look at this passage of scripture on the screen. It says, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, in other words, if, if someone with the power of the Holy Spirit cast an unclean spirit out of a man, it says, that spirit will walk through dry places seeking rest, and he can't find it because it needs a body. And then that spirit, that unclean spirit says, well, I'm going to return to the person that I just came from, where I was cast out. And when he's come, he finds it empty and swept and garnished. Then he goes and takes seven other spirits. Look this way, everybody. That spirit that was cast out will go because it needs that camaraderie and it needs that consolidation. And it says, I'll go and take seven other spirits more wicked. I'm going to get me some more scales. More wicked than himself. And they enter in and they dwell there. That's Jesus speaking. Friend, if you th listen to me, please hear me. I want everybody to please hear me. Those of you watching at home, those of you watching by television, I want you to listen to me. I'm not a nut. And I, I'm not one of these wild-eyed fanatics. I am not a nut. But I'm teaching you right straight from the Word of God. I'm not giving you anything that's not in the Word of God. And who are you to believe? And who are you to say, I know more than God and I know more than the Bible? You may say you know more than me, that's one thing, but do you know more than the Bible? Do you know more than God? The Bible said these spirits stick together and they try to protect their interests. And you may be so full of demons right now, you don't even know it. And they're surrounding that spirit of Leviathan, that pride, and that they're saying we're not going to let you get to this pride issue. I tell you what you need to do, you need to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And God will bless you and promote you and lift you up. Somebody help me. Woo! Hey! Lift your hands up and praise Him. It's all right. Go ahead. Woo! Shatare Satore Babaramarabasantaba. Number nine. I've got to hurry. Number nine. And Job 41 verses 18 and 19 says, His sneezings flash forth light. 
His eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth goes burning light. Speaks, or sparks of fire shoot out. Leviathan manifests himself through the tongue and through the mouth. Leviathan manifests himself through the tongue and through the mouth. The Bible said the tongue in James is a little member, but it boasteth great things. See, that boasting is pride. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. I want you to listen to these statements. Pride boasts and praises itself. Pride exaggerates abilities and virtues which a person doesn't really possess, but they think they do. Pride speaks loftily. Extravagant liars. Look this way, please, everybody. Look this way. When a person is bound by a spirit of Leviathan, they usually are extravagant liars. What do I mean by extravagant liars? They are so, such exotic liars, they can contort, uh, contort a lie at the flash of, of uh, just a blink of an eye, and their mind is so evil and their tongue is so filled with lies that they even come to believe the lies they tell, and they'd rather tell a lie than tell the truth. They'd rather tell makeup and make-believe than they would to tell the truth. That's Leviathan. It speaks loftily. It contorts things. It twists things. It says things. It exaggerates a person's abilities. A person may have a little bit of ability, but if you listen to them, you'll think that they belong on Wall Street. Yeah. Or you'd think they belong in the White House. Well, let's, I'll take that back. But anyway. <laughs> Pride speaks loftily. It, it's, it's extravagant liars contort the truth. In Psalms 59 and 12, it says, For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride, and for cursing and lying which they speak. Here, the word cursing is not profanity. It's speaking curses out of the mouth. Number 10, smoke goes, goes out of the nostrils as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. In the King James Version, it says in verse 20, Out of his nostrils goes smoke as out of a seething pot or a cauldron. The New King James says boiling pot, which means to boil or become violent. The King James Version says seething pot, which means to seethe or to bring contention. Look this way. There's a scripture that I have referred to all of my whole ministry, and here it is. Only by pride cometh contention. Look this way, everybody. If there's contention in your church, there's pride in your church. If a person's contentious, can't get along with them, just contentious, there's pride involved. Male or female, old or young, even a child, contention, always contention. And the Bible talks about a boiling pot. That means like a boiling pot, a cauldron boils over. When a person has a, a pride issue, there's an anger issue also. When they don't get their way, they will boil over. And they will seethe and seethe, but eventually they're going to boil over. And they're going to affect you in many ways. The Bible says in chapter 13, verse 10, in the New King James Version, By pride comes nothing but strife, but with a well-advised is wisdom. People who are easily angered are agitated are usually under the spirit of Leviathan. From Leviathan and from the spirit of pride comes divisions, 
church splits, arguments, disagreements, disgust, and people under the influence of Leviathan are very difficult, if not almost impossible, to live with. A tender person and an humble person, anybody can live with them. But an arrogant person, a lofty person, an extravagant liar, a person that has this bound by pride and Leviathan, the best woman in the world couldn't live with them. If they do, they're going to live a life of hell. The same thing vice versa with female and male, male and female. Number 11, strength dwells in his neck. What does that mean? Strength in the neck. Strength in the neck talks about stubbornness. And it talks about a heart of stone. Leviathan is strong, he's rebellious, and he's stubborn. You can't instruct him. Listen, I've come across people in my ministry I couldn't tell nothing to. I couldn't tell them nothing. I needed to, but they'd pull the shoulder away. Don't you tell me what to do. they pull the shoulder away. You reach out a hand and to try to steady them and try to instruct them. Not to try to control them, but just to instruct them. Son, listen to me. Sweetheart, listen to me. I want to tell you something I see. Don't, what, don't tell me. Who do you think you are? You may be my pastor, but you're not going to tell me what to do. I've had them, I've had them say it to my face. And I say to myself, whenever I say that to a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old, Wonder what kind of wife she'll make one day. Wonder what kind of husband he'll make one day. Until that's broken. Until that's conquered. And until that has been humbled and the Holy Spirit can come in with a severe, strong sword and lay the axe to the root in that thing, they're almost going to be impossible to live with as a mate. Are you listening to me? It says strength dwells in his neck. Now what does it mean to be stubborn? It means you refuse to change. Leviathan is a stubborn spirit that refuses to change. In other words, it makes attempts at it, but not too strong of an attempt because they like the way they are. When Jesus comes into a person's life, the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, he sets about to change you. And listen, there's some people, friend, only the Holy Spirit can change them. You hear me? If you try to change a child without the aid of the Holy Spirit, you're only going to make them worse. If you try to change your husband or you try to change your wife without asking the Holy Spirit to go and prep, do the prep work and do what he can do, if you don't depend on the Holy Spirit to bring about that change, you're never going to get it done by yourself. You're not going to. But the one thing that I noticed about this is not only stubbornness, but Stubbornness means you won't admit wrong and humble yourself and ask for forgiveness. You won't admit wrong. There's, there's people that won't admit to their wife that, I was, that they was wrong. There's, there's people, women, that won't admit to their husband I was wrong. They may do it in the early stages of marriage, but they build up such defenses later that the tears will dry up and the humble heart stops. And now they'll out-talk you. And they'll defend that, that thing, but they won't ask for forgiveness and they won't say, I was wrong. 
One of the greatest things, I think, to have a happy marriage and a good marriage, a strong marriage, is for the male and female both to admit quickly, I was wrong. Now, that's a good place to say amen. I had three women amen me there. I heard no male voices whatsoever. Let me try that one more time. I said one of the greatest prized possessions that a marriage can have is for a marriage to be built by a male and a female that retains the ability to say, I was wrong. Now let me show you another scripture here. It talks about his neck. Some people, the reason why they put their Bibles down whenever they really get strong in Leviathan, now y'all listen to me. The one, re, the, one, of the, one of the main reasons people put their Bible down and stop reading their Bible is because the Bible calls for change in our life. The Bible is a mirror. The Bible is a mirror. And when you read your Bible and you read the Scriptures, the Holy Writ, and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of that, and he drives it into your heart. He's calling for change in you, and he's saying to you, will you let me help you with this? And you're saying, no. 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 I'm like my daddy. I'm like my mama. I'm who I am. You just have to live with it. And they'll put the Bible down because almost every page of your Bible talks about change. The New Testament and the Old Testament. And the Bible said all this is written for our admonition and our instruction. Every bit of it is examples in the scriptures that God has written for our admonition and our instruction. And whenever I read the Bible, I'm looking in a mirror and I'm saying, oh my God, there's a blemish. Oh my God, I didn't, Lord Jesus, what are you showing me, Holy Spirit? You're showing me that I need to humble myself, right? You're showing me that I need to ask for forgiveness, right? You're showing me that I need to go back and say to them, I made a mistake. And the Holy Spirit will say, if you'll do it, I'll bless you. But if you stiffen your neck and you harden your heart. I read in Exodus, the Lord said unto Moses, he said, I've seen this people. They're stiff-necked people. In Exodus 33.3, it says, talks about a land of milk and honey, and they said, I'll not go up in the midst of thee, for you are stiff-necked people, lest I consume you, God said. You're stiff-necked. In other words, strength is in your neck. Look this way, please. You do this so long, you build up your neck muscles. You throw your head back, and you buck up against the Lord. You pull back, and you built up those muscles so much until your neck has become stiff. Now it's hard for that neck to go the other way. It's a stiff-necked people. In Deuteronomy, it says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. In Chronicles, it says, Now be not stiff-necked as your fathers were. In Acts chapter 7, it says, They're stiff-necked and uncircumcised in their hearts and their ears. And they always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did. Look this way. I'd hate to get to heaven one day and hear the Lord say to me, John Kilpatrick, you've always resisted the Holy Ghost. 
as your father did. What a thing to be said to a person. In the book of Acts, let me read it to you one more time. Acts chapter 7, 51, it said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. In other words, you got it right. Your father taught you to be a rebel. Your father taught you to be independent. And just as you saw your father resist the Holy Ghost, you have learned to resist the Holy Ghost. How do you get over it? Humble yourself. You have to humble yourself. Boy, this is going to sell a lot of tapes. I can tell. I mean, this is going to really sell. Oh, my God, let me get to it. Number 12. <laughs> Number 12. It said that Leviathan's heart is as hard as stone, even as hard as the lower millstone. It said the heart is hard as stone. What does that mean? It means Leviathan has an uncaring heart. Have you noticed in America how people can be getting beat up on the side of the road? Some, two or three teenagers pounding an old man, and people walk by and look and want him to stop to help him. A woman gets hit by a car and rolled in the street, and she's laying there bleeding, and they don't even go over and help her. They just walk by with their briefcases and look, as if to say, well, the ambulance maybe will come get her in a little bit. That's a heart of stone. You know something else? You remember the time you used to could watch a program on television, a movie on television, and people would weep? Now, the kind of TV programs they're putting out is not anything for you to weep over. Now it's things to make you harden your heart and to hate and to be full of bitterness. You follow me? One of the things I admire so much about my wife is she has a sweetheart. She has a tender heart. I just, I've never seen her be a bitter, mean person, ever. Always kind. Always gives people, all people the benefit of the doubt. Always. Makes excuses for people's behavior. Loves people. Loves her husband. Loves her children and grandchildren. I never saw my wife look at her child with hatred and venom in her eyes. Like, <laughs> you know. Never saw that. I've seen women do that. I saw a woman here a while back. I was waiting on my wife to come out of the grocery store. And I saw a woman. She didn't know I was sitting there. And her little girl was having a struggle getting out of the back seat. She reached in like that and just, I'm, it's a wonder she didn't snatch her arm out of the socket. She just snatched her out and slung her down on the pavement and said, Get up, you stupid thing. And I'm saying to my, myself, My God, thank you. God, I didn't have a wife like that. Listen, I, I have a question for you. If the body of Jesus Christ doesn't keep a tender heart, tell me who is going to have a tender heart. In the house of faith, in the, in the body of Jesus Christ, we've got to keep tenderness and sweetness. You know a mark of a good church? You know the mark of a really a powerful church? It's when prayer requests are read and people take out a handkerchief and start dabbing their eyes. Or they'll say, you'll, you'll, you'll say something like, and, and he was thrown out of the car, and the car rolled over him. And people, mm, you know, you hear everybody moan. And you'll really hear him go into prayer about that prayer request. Many places, they don't moan, and they don't really care to pray for him either. We've got to keep a tender heart. Lastly of all, 
It says, I, I've got to cover this quickly. It says, he makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. In other words, Leviathan causes trouble and division everywhere he goes. He lives on trouble, thrives on it. Takes significant situations and blows them up out of proportion and makes issues out of nothing. Has an ability to, take, to make people stirred up. He stirs up strife. But lastly of all, let me, let me give you this real quickly. Four, 14, Job 41 and 34, it says, He beholds every high thing. He is the king over all the children of pride. Now, this Leviathan spirit, I looked up these words, and I'm just going to give them to you real quickly. I looked up pride, prideful, smugness, arrogance, arrogant. Now, I'm going to give you this real quickly before we pray. Pride, I looked it up, and it means excessive self-esteem. It doesn't mean normal self-esteem. It means excessive. A sense of being better than others. Look this way, please, everybody, just for a minute. I'm not going to take any time on all these. I'm just going to take time here. How dare a white person feel better than a black person? How dare it? How dare a white person feel better than a black person? Feel superior to a black person? How dare a white person feel superior to an Hispanic person? How dare America treat immigrants like trash, even though they might not have come the wrong way? I believe in doing things the right way myself, but my God, these people's got a soul. These people's got a heart. How can you treat people like that? How can you talk to people like that? How can you talk to waitresses like you talk to waitresses? I have a manager that told my wife here in town, he manages a restaurant, he said, I don't work on Sundays anymore. Why? He said, because all during the week people come in and they treat my waitresses decent. But he said, church people are the worst. They come in and they bark at the waitresses and don't tip and they will... in." just insult them to no end right before everybody, including their friends. And he said, I, I can't work on Sundays anymore because the church people is the worst at insulting other people. Friend, you better not ever let me hear that about this church. Don't let me hear that about this church. I want this church to have a heart of love. And matter of fact, whenever you go to leave, don't leave a 10% tip or 15. Leave them a 20% tip. I went in a place here a while back and the girl told me her story. And she had rings in her nose and she had tattoos all over and she was a waitress. She had tears running down her face. She said, you're a preacher? I said, yes, I am. She said, are you a prophet? I said, well, sometime I prophesy. She said, do you have a word for me? I said, why? She began to tell me her story. I, gave, I left her $50. I left her $50 just to bless her. I'm not trying to make myself look good. But I'm saying, who are we to sit there and say, well, I can't give you a word. You got earrings in your nose. Oh, you got tattoos. Friend, get out of that. Get out of that. Who are you? Who are you? Stop that. Y'all going to get me worked up before I quit here today. And prideful. The word prideful means living independently of God and His Holy Spirit, withdrawn from others because of feeling of self-sufficiency. Smugness. Smugness means vain glory, not honoring God or having no sense of giving honor to those who deserve it. 
In other words, there's not a culture of honor in some churches. They don't honor their pastor. They don't honor their, their leaders. They don't honor the, the leadership in the church. They don't honor one another. There's no culture of honor in most churches anymore. It's vainglory. Vanity is an excessive, ostentatious pride in one's accomplishments and worth. Arrogance is scorning people that feels they are not the same on, on the same intellectual level or the color of skin are native to their country. A sense of self-exaltation above others that are different than oneself. Arrogant means one that exaggerates their abilities and do not really possess what they think they do. Or one who expresses himself as being able to do anything and everything excessively better than others. One who thinks they work better than others or possess more talent than others, not realizing they are not really as talented as one they're comparing themselves to. They don't even realize it. Now, here's, here's where I want to end this thing today. You might say, but Brother Kilpatrick, okay, I've heard you. I've heard all 14 points. And okay, okay, I, I've got a problem with pride. Okay, I'm str I struggle with pride. How do I deal with it? The following ways. The only way pride is ever going to be eliminated is by humility. You've got to humble yourself. Got to. You've got to get with your husband and you've got to say to your husband, now look, I don't want you to take advantage of me and I don't want you to make fun of me. But honey, I'm becoming something that I hate. And I'm becoming something that I'm, I'm worried about. And I want to humble myself and ask God to help me. And I'm asking you to work with me and help me. And vice versa, the man with his wife. The word humble comes from the word humility, comes from the Latin word humus, which means ground or soil. It means you need to remember that you're made out of dirt. Friend, we dress this dirt up. We squirt cologne on this dirt. This dirt drives some nice cars, and this dirt lives in some pretty nice houses. But may I remind you, we are dirt. dirt. And number three, I didn't say mud, I said dirt. You said mud. And number three, you need to find ways to begin to express your humility. Jesus washed feet. What can you do? What can you do to humble yourself? Let me ask you that question now. Everybody look at me. Listen to me. I won't be on more than three more minutes. But what can you do? Jesus washed feet. What can you do to humble yourself? Maybe there's somebody you hate. Maybe there's a neighbor you won't speak to. Maybe there's a church friend or church member that you fell out with years ago. Maybe in another church and they don't even go here. Or another pastor that you just alienated yourself from. What can you do? To humble yourself. The Holy Spirit will show you. So number one, you've got to humble yourself. But number two is you've got to find ways to humble yourself and to express your humility. And number four, how does God deal with proud people? The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to read three or four verses right quick. This is the very last thing I'm going to do, but I'm, I just feel led to read this this morning. In Washington, I have got to where in my life I can't hardly watch CNN, I can't hardly watch Fox, including Fox. I can't hardly watch any major network or cable news network anymore because it upsets me too bad. I, I, I hate the arguing and the bickering. And when somebody gets ratings, I see their... I see the nose go up in the air, and I, they, they, they almost become godlike. They begin talking down to people. They won't let other people finish. Their, they, they interrupt them. And I got, I got to where I, it's just so unmannerable and immoral to treat people the way people are being treated. I can't hardly watch television news anymore. Matter of fact, I'm, just, I'm getting me a bird tape where I can listen to birds singing. <laughs> All kinds of birds. I'm going to ride down the road and I'm going to be smiling. Y'all going to be listening to Fox or CNN. I'm going to be on my cable news network with having some birds singing. I'm going to be just smiling. My heart's going to be beating normal. But listen. In Washington, Democrats and Republicans listen to this scripture, and, and this is a warning. This is literally, literally a warning. Because I see Leviathan taking over Democrats and Republicans and Independents. That twisted serpent, his tail wraps all the way around the dome in Washington. All the way down Pennsylvania Avenue from the White House to the Capitol. And listen to this. Daniel said at the end of 12 months, the king walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And the king said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom? By the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. While the word was still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from you. They shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. And seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and he ate grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. At the end of the seven years, the Bible says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. I bet he did. And I praised and honored him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation. The Bible said the king humbled himself after God humbled him. You better humble yourself, Mr. President. And you better confess that you're wrong about this same-sex marriage. You better do it. You better do it. Just, just remain standing. 
just remain standing. Mr. President, you better humble yourself and tell this nation that you made a mistake because right now over the half the counties in America is in an emergency, state of emergency because of this drought. It's going to get worse. Missouri's burning now. How many other states are going to have to start burning? Barges are running aground on the Mississippi River. Goods and services can't be transferred. Hurricanes are brewing. Earthquakes are preparing to happen. The earth is speaking. Are we listening? The Bible said that the earth does those things because of breaking of covenant, because of shedding innocent blood, because of mistreatment of Israel, and because of perversion. And Mr. President, you need to come before America and you need to get on television and you need to say, I made a mistake. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. I am not for same-sex marriage. Yes, this is not a Chick-fil-A issue. This is the Holy Word of God issue. This is, a chick this is not a Chick-fil-A issue. And could I say, Mr. Rahm Emanuel, you better be careful, sir. Yes, sir. You better be careful. You better be careful because the Holy Spirit is greater than you are. And he can make your fingernails like claws. And he can make your hair like eagle's feathers. Don't you think he can't? And he can do it overnight. Mr. President, you better listen. And you big Democrats up there on Capitol Hill and you big Republicans, you fat cats, you better listen. You've overstepped your bounds. And America's tired of it. America's tired of it. This is a Judeo-Christian nation. This is a Judeo-Christian nation. And I want to say this. You've got too big for your britches. You've got too big for your britches, and God knows exactly how to take you down. And I pray if it takes that, Lord, do what you've got to do. But there's too many good people in America to suffer because of a few. Hallelujah. So, Holy Spirit, help us, Lord, to humble ourselves. Would you pray this prayer out loud with me, Jesus? I come to you in prayer, and I humble myself under your mighty hand. I confess with my mouth that my behavior has fallen short of your holy word. I confess with my mouth, Lord, that I have been offensive. I feel my neck stiffening. I feel my heart hardening. And I hear my ears closing. And I ask you to have mercy on me. Lord, I don't want you to humble me. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it myself. Come on, I'm going to do it myself. And I ask you to send your Holy Spirit now and to show me. Show me, Lord, clearly those areas where I need to humble myself. And I will do it. Lord, I will do it. I will not protect those areas anymore. As a matter of fact, I lay bare now every spirit in my life. Huh? I lay bare every spirit in my life, every scale. 
And I let the air of the Ruach of the Holy Spirit come into me right now and blow, Lord. Blow. Let the winds of God blow over us this morning. Hey! Let the wind, let the wind blow deep in my soul. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.